0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, July 10th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Petersburg's Catholic Church caught fire Thursday afternoon in a blaze that continued for nearly 10 hours. KFSK's Thomas Copeland has the story.
1: Don Koenigs has attended St. Catherine's of Siena Catholic Church for over 40 years. He was one of just two parishioners at midday mass on Thursday.
0: I saw smoke while I was inside from the skylight in the church. We were just ready to receive Holy Communion. I looked up and I saw smoke billowing up above. So I ran out of the church immediately and could see that, the church was on fire. I ran in and told Father, we were called 911, and I said, you have to take Jesus out of the tabernacle. At 12.29
1: p.m., Emergency dispatch received multiple calls as neighbours and passers-by caught sight of the flames. Fire, EMS, search and rescue and law enforcement were all on the scene within minutes. As the firefighters tackled the blaze, smoke billowed from St Catherine's Down into Petersburg. At Petersburg Medical Centre, CEO Phil Hofstetter saw the smoke as it blew down the hill to the clinic. It was, it was almost like it was porous, it went right through the building. And that meant scores of appointments were quickly canceled. Well, we closed all our non-essential services right now uh, and we sent staff home. We put in uh, some air scrubbers into the different units for uh, long-term care. Back at St. Catharines, crowds gathered as the church roof began to cave in and its spire buckled under the heat of the flames.
2: Bringing tears to my eyes earlier. I, I've never
0: seen anything like this lived here 48
1: years. It's going to be tough on all the parishioners there and stuff. They're going to need a lot of community support. Among the onlookers stood Father Jose This is his first year at St. Catharines. So heartbreaking, so heartbreaking. But we will survive, you know, that's our hope. And uh, I want to thank all the fire uh, department works. They are working hard to control this fire. As the first hour rolled on, more volunteers arrived on the scene. Some, like Taylor Norheim, even raced in from the water to fight the fire. I got here late even. I was out on the boat. I had to go cancel work for the day cuz if I I don't know if I didn't do it and nobody was doing it, somebody's got to do it. The Petersburg Fire Department has to rely on volunteers, many with full-time jobs like Norheim. And fire department spokesperson Dave Berg said that means when a massive blaze like this occurs, the worst he's seen in a quarter century they can find themselves with just a skeleton crew.
0: We showed up with, with three engines. Uh, one engine came in with only a driver. It's capable of carrying six, you know, a, a crew of six. And, uh, and another engine came in short-staffed short also. Do you think so,
1: you could have saved more of the church if you had more volunteers? Oh, I think so,
0: yeah. Our volunteer staff has been declining over the years. There's just, you know, people don't seem to be... Uh, is interested in in either fire service or volunteering as a whole.
1: And Aaron Hankins, the Director of Fire and EMS, said in a race against time, fewer volunteers can have a massive impact. Would you have done this operation differently if you'd had more volunteers, Aaron? We might have been able to get up on the roof before the entire thing was compromised, but uh, by the time we got access and had enough volunteers to do it, you know, it was kind of not really safe to go on there. As the afternoon turned to evening, the flames died down but refused to die out. Four-inch thick wooden beams tightly layered on the roof of the sanctuary blocked the hoses from extinguishing the flames smouldering underneath. And the attic of the fellowship was just as hard to reach. And so the chainsaws came out to carve up chunks of timber to allow for a way for the water to get in. So I think for this week... Across a car park in the Parks and Rec gymnasium the St Catherine's congregation gathered for communion, prayer and to plan for the days ahead. Father Jos was living at the back of the church before it burned down. And in a brief moment of levity, he told the parishioners he just brought home some groceries. I was about to cook today, I just brought some some uh, <laughs> pork, and I just, I served enough for, I think, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe roasted now with the fire. <laughs> the congregation hopes to assemble for mass this weekend in the grotto next to the burnt-out church. But they don't yet know what can be salvaged from inside. As the parishioners left the gymnasium, They stopped to watch the firefighters still battling the stubborn flames burning in the church roof. It was past 10pm when the final hose was turned off. Just one injury among the multi-agency army of Petersburg volunteers, a broken finger in the fire crew. The cause of the blaze will be investigated in the days and weeks to come by local and state fire marshals. But for now, St Catherine's of Siena is reduced to a shell. In Petersburg, I'm Thomas Copeland.
0: Salmon berries are ripe and ready, and the promise of huckleberry and blueberry season is on the horizon in Sitka. But with warming temperatures, scientists say climate change could make berry picking more challenging in the future. And there's a gap in knowledge about how berries are changing in southeast Alaska specifically. A new study in Sitka is underway to close that gap. Alex McCarl is the research coordinator at the Sitka Sound Science Center.
2: We decided we really wanted to create a locally relevant research project that the SICA community can really be invested in. Berries are super important recreationally, really important because, you know, fruits and vegetables are so expensive here, so we can pick for free.
0: Last year, they started a pilot program to monitor berry timing and development, testing out cameras pointed at berry bushes at three separate sites around town.
2: It takes pictures every single day of a berry bush. And so we can get a time lapse to the day, to the hour, of when berries develop, when flowers bloom, when leaves bud. And this is called phenology. So it's a phenology project.
0: Phenology is the study of life stages. McCarl says it's important for researchers to observe the life stages of the berries year to year to understand how climate change may affect their growth and ripeness.
2: Say it's getting a little warmer in the summer or we're losing that s- protective snowpack in the winter, that can, that will affect how or when our berries are ripe. And so uh, we can start doing mitigative measures. Uh, say your normal berry patch is now becoming sparse because it's too hot if you're right on Sawmill Creek. Let's move to a higher elevation, or you might need to go to a shadier area. So we're trying to arm citizens to ways that they can potentially mitigate these effects.
0: They're expanding the research this summer and asking for help from berry pickers. These citizen scientists will pick berries at the same berry patch for five minutes once a week, count the berries and measure the haul, and report those numbers to the researchers. You can find more information on how to participate in Sitka's berry monitoring project on our website at kcaw.org. By next year, Wrangell community members could be able to purchase one of more than 20 newly developed housing lots. The borough is continuing its plan to build a new subdivision at the site of the former Wrangell Institute boarding school, about five miles south of town. It'll be called Aldertop Village, after the historic Tlingit name for the site, Keishan Gita'an. Wrangell's assembly approved funding for the first phase of the project on Thursday a $929,000 contract with Ketchikan Ready Mix and Quarry. Borough manager Jeff Good said the first phase includes removing the chain link fence at the site, clearing alders, and monitoring for historic or cultural artifacts at the property after the boarding school's closure. So this will do the, the clearing and then it also uh, starts establishing the roads and does the first dig, uh, which is kind of the, one of the requirements from the Army Corps of Engineer and also SHPO. Uh, for the so State Historical Preservation Office. Uh, so it kind of gets those roads cut in, gets the dig done. So it kind of gets us through that first hurdle of, of actually getting the roads done. Once the lots are cleared and roads roughed in, the next phase of development will establish actual roads at the site, as well as utility connections. Borough Mayor Patty Gilbert says the development is much needed and has been a long time coming.
2: 2010 is where the comprehensive plan identified that Wrangell needed housing, and that the old Institute property would be a a good option for that. And then in 2015 is when we began planning in earnest to um, make that a reality.
0: According to the contract, the first phase of lot clearing and development should wrap up by the end of October. The recent warm weather in southeast Alaska makes it seem hotter and drier than it's actually been. For most of the summer, things have been pretty cool and damp. In fact, Alaska wildfire managers have seen the least ever acreage burned so far this summer. Just 1,300 acres have burned, compared to the over 3.1 million that burned last year. Fire weather program manager Heidi Strader says that's the lowest ever recorded by the first week of July. Usually we have about 10 times this kind of acreage going, really. Um, It's incredibly low. For South Central, the fire officials and National Weather Service meteorologists predict continued cold and wet conditions, which means that the region is likely to avoid major burns this year. And if the bigger trees and the deeper organics have not had enough dry weather for them to dry out and become engaged in fire activity, then... It's very unlikely that we're going to see a big season. Without large fires to fight in-state, some Alaska wildland firefighting crews have been sent to Canada, which is experiencing a historic wildfire season. Lyle Coyle, a public information officer with the State Division of Forestry and Fire Protection, says other crews are staying in Alaska and taking advantage of the lack of fires to install 10 fuel breaks around fire-prone communities. We're working on fuel breaks in each Division of Forestry and Fire Protection area across the state. Um, So it's actually been a really productive summer for us and season for us and helping to proactively protect communities. Not every part of Alaska is expected to avoid wildfire danger. The largest fire currently burning in the state is near Delta Junction, prompting red flag warnings for the Eastern Range last week. I'm Brooke Schaefer and this has been Raven News.